mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity so i would think it means two things to me one it's always like in the eye of the beholder so realize that it's okay to have a different view than somebody else two it's always being created and recreated uh i i think it means an openness to growth an openness to learning an openness to looking at what is masculinity in me and having curiosity about what parts are serving me and what parts maybe aren't serving me so well anymore. And so the art of masculinity is truly that. If you can master being a lion and a lamb, you've mastered masculinity. The art of masculinity to me means knowing how to gracefully dance between both the feminine flow and the structure of the masculine. This is The Art of Masculinity with your host, Johnny L. Sasser. Today's guest is Jordan Bowditch. Jordan is an unapologetic hashtag conscious bro, silly and sincere as fuck. He fancies himself the bridge between the esoteric and the generic, inspiring higher truths through humor and radical authenticity. Trust me, guys. He is as funny as his intro here, but it's really true. He is a special human being, but he's also a men's performance coach, kind of conscious comedian, certified space holder, biohacker, world-class MC, and professional edutainer. Jordan facilitates elevated connection by creating safe spaces to not play safe in, integrating bioenergetics, interpersonal polarity, sexuality, and social magnetism into his work and play. It is such a special, special episode. I love hanging out with Jordan. He is a good friend and amazing human being. So I know you guys are going to have as much fun listening to this as we had jamming out on it and just really diving into the hilariousness, but also the authenticity, openness, and vulnerability Jordan brings. So enjoy this episode, guys, and I'll see you around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today we have my friend Jordan Bowditch on here. Not not like bow bitch or anything like that. It's Bowditch. So <laughs> bow down, bitch. You could say <laughs> we're already gonna get canceled. We're like five it. seconds into it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, all of a sudden, uh, iTunes fails. Done. Kicked out. Perfect. Resistance <laughs> not, is strong in the universe. Yep. <laughs> I love it, brother. Well, thank you for joining me on here, man. You and I had the ability to connect recently in Austin, and I just love you and your wife, Alexa. You guys have such an amazing relationship, but also you guys also have like, she's got a very cool podcast, which you are featured on quite often. So I love it, man. That sex chick, by the way, shameless plug here for the podcast. It's so amazing. Thank you, brother. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. It was so great meeting y'all, and I'm excited for more. Dude, I have to ask, man, um, before we go into the manly round, it was so cool to listen to you guys talk about kind of like the development into um, kind of making sex fun and opening up for exploration. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, because that really actually Taylor and I were listening to that podcast, and that got us on that same path, which was really cool. So when you say opening up for exploration, do you mean like us, like literally opening up our relationship or you mean just like delving into more sex within our own relationship? 
Uh, let's do the latter. So kind of opening up your own relationship in the sense of like diving into different kinds of like play with your, with each other and like that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, I'll quickly address the latter because we are not in an open relationship. Just spoiler alert there. We are in what's called a monogamish relationship. So maybe we can dig into that a little later on, but, uh, yeah, sure. so it, it went how I think a lot of relationships go in the beginning where, we fell in love and it's a beautiful story. I, I found her on Facebook. I sent her a voice note with a little freestyle rap, just trying to woo That's her. So good. And we had That's a few so FaceTime dates. And then I flew out from San Diego to New Orleans to meet her in person for the first time, which was awesome. And I told her I loved her that weekend before I left. And it was like, we're doing this thing. And then from there on, it was the honeymoon phase as it goes where sex is abundant. It's so accessible. It's so easy. It's so hot and it can happen wherever, whenever, however, and it's beautiful and perfect. And then as it also seems to go, that starts to not be as accessible, as abundant. The, the honeymoon intensity starts to dwindle and fade a little bit. And I think that's very normal and healthy and okay. Uh, that being said, we're also very aware that we want to address this relationship on our terms and by intentional design and being proactive with optimizing and flowing with those seasons and those fluctuations and those changes and the evolution of it all. And so with that, when we started to notice that that was happening, it's like, all right, cool. We've, we've ridden the wave of this flow, the coattails of that honeymoon. Now let's kind of put in the intentional work and see where that takes us. And so where that really started with was bless Alexa's heart. She's so gracious while at the same time also being a badass bitch, make no mistake. Uh, and she, she was challenging me lovingly to sort of step up my game and not rely on the tips and tricks and hacks and game and all the things and, and, and my go-to signature moves in the bedroom. You know, we all got them. We all got one, two or a few. We're like, we know this one works. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Come on now. <laughs> and, and so she was calling me up and challenging me to really address this area of my life. Um, because, you know, when I met her, she was a sex coach. That was part of the appeal. Like, oh my God, you know, holy shit, a sex coach. Great. It was simultaneously really appealing and terrifying. And for me, I was certainly a personal development junkie, but as it goes with a lot of people, I find explicit sexual personal development was not an area I had really focused in on. So I had the opportunity to do so in the relationship. And so it's the long game. You know, it's up and down and all around. It doesn't happen overnight. There's momentary breakthroughs. There's significant peak experiences where something clicks and there's lasting transformation. Uh, but all that fluffy conscious jargon to say, it really started in a lot of ways for us. Um, you know, one practical tactical component was discovering the erotic blueprints, which is something that mm. it's like the love languages, but for sex. And so when we, mm leverage that and we're able to put language around what we recognize and desire in the way of erotic expression and experience, everything changed from there. Um, it was very much a lead domino and a catalyst to, again, at the very least, as the foundation to have 
language and the ability to communicate more effectively uh, what we want, what we need, and vice versa. Yeah, dude, it's so I've I've been wanting to talk to you about this for so long because I think it's so important for men to hear like that pathway and segue kind of into where you guys are now and how you guys, you know, have your sex life and what you guys do for each other. How did you one? How did you not take it personally? Because I can see so many guys if Alexa was like, bro, pick your fucking game up. like Dudes gonna be like, fuck you, right? Like if they so how did you not take it personally? And two, how did you, what was like something that you found helped you to be like, oh, okay, maybe I can learn some new tricks to really enhance our relationship instead of being like obstinate with the ego. Well, to be clear, I did take it fucking personally. <laughs> I'm human, right? And mm. But I was very aware that I was taking it personally. And so that wasn't the mm. whole story. That was just part of my human experience was like, fuck, this sucks. Ego hits. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. We're not sexually compatible. Um, it's her fault, not mine. All of the things I could do in my mind to make sense of it and protect myself, at least protect my ego. Uh, yeah, I went through that whole experience and I continue to, like it's a never ending thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm reminded of the, the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, one of them, don't take anything personally. And so whatever I find yeah. that I'm taking something personally, I just, I remind myself, don't take it personally. And I also give myself the compassion to be like, well, nothing's personal and everything's personal. Like both can coexist. It's just my relationship to those ideas and how I act in response to it. So went through all of that. And also, you know, maybe another part of that is I know that she's doing it from a place of love. And so mm -hmm. another piece I really try and focus in on is seeking to understand rather than be understood. And I think it's a really important piece for men in particular as like a, a conscious, awakened, um, righteous, masculine man to understand the world, to understand your woman, specifically in this context, over trying to be understood. Because being understood, that's more like I need validation, I need affirmation from the outer world instead of seeking it within. It's like, no, I understand my damn self, I trust myself, I have integrity, uh, all those kinds of things. As a conscious man, I want to actually serve and understand the world so I can serve even better and learn from that. So all that woo-woo stuff, um, bringing it back down uh, to the original question. So the second part, remind me again, what was the second part of the question? The second part was just kind of taking a step back out of the ego and then allowing yourself to want to learn something maybe that was new to you because you weren't in like the BDSM world before, right? At all? Not at all. Nope. I had my judgments. Yeah. I was like, that stuff is weird. You know, leather and lace, like people got twisted experiences. They're playing out their trauma and all those judgments, which I mean, certainly there's some of that, mm -hmm. but I would say that's the exception, not the rule. And there's a lot of beauty and kink and BDSM dynamics, like really unique healing and just peak experiences and connection and intimacy, all of that. Um, so it was definitely taking that first step of understanding with erotic blueprints being a big part of that. I had a, a 
some peace came with that because just to give you some specifics around it, there's five erotic blueprints similar to the five love languages. If you're familiar, um, you know, Mm -hmm. quality time, physical touch, giving gifts or receiving gifts, acts of service and words of affirmation. I think I got them all Uh, with the erotic blueprint. It's kinky, energetic, sensual, sexual, and shapeshifter. And without getting too much into them, my top two were sexual and sensual. Those were Alexa's bottom two. Her top two were kinky and energetic. Those were my bottom two. And so it, it was very supportive in the sense that now I could understand where some of the disconnects were, like where some of those things were coming from. And so I felt empowered to do something by it. And, you know, one person could look at that and say, you're sexually incompatible. You're doomed. Good luck, broski. Maybe just quit while you're ahead. And (laughs) us with much more of the growth mindset, it's like, well, no, actually our ceiling, our opportunity to experience the depth and breadth of all of this erotic energy, all of it that it has to offer, it's so much bigger, more vast than somebody that would have maybe the same erotic blueprints. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with having the same, but again, we were looking at it from this bigger perspective of like, wow, what beautiful gift and opportunity this is. And so thus as awareness, as it goes with awareness, now comes choice. We have this awareness. Now we have some, you know, choice and and action, inspired action to be able to be taken on all of this. So from there, it was, you know, another piece to my journey. I had a conversation with this guy, Kenneth Play. Are, are you familiar with him by any chance? No, not at all. So he's this little jacked Asian man who, uh, he's a sex hacker. And so his whole brand is sex hacking. And so it, it's kind of like uh, conscious sex education, like conscious porn in a sense. But it's very like practical, tactical elements in the bedroom. And it also includes more of the energetic kinky BDSM stuff. And so she was connected with him. She had become friends with him. They had done some collaborations together. And so as we were moving through this process slowly, but surely, uh, this was probably about maybe a year into our relationship. She once again, lovingly, but directly challenged me to continue because as it goes sometimes in this game, there's the momentary ahas and then that's all it is. Cool. Like, what do we do with that? What's the next step? What is an actual transformation that's long lasting that has substance and sustainability? Uh, and that's the journey. It keeps going and we go in cycles. And so this conversation, I was very much taking it personally as well. You want me to talk to this motherfucker who's like a sex god who you're friends with and I'm wondering, do you want to fuck him instead? <laughs> you know, all this ridiculous shit. Oh my God. And so I have a conversation with him and he's such a good dude. He's like, just a great guy. And had to check my ego at the door. And he gave me some great nuggets around uh, power dynamics and specifically around daddy, little girl. And so I'll round this out here with this last little piece which has been a fun dynamic in our relationship that we continue to lightly explore. And it's this daddy little girl dynamic. Someone might hear that and be like, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird. It's got pedophile vibes around it. feels a little, 
Yeah, like off. You get, you and I get that. Steen vibes going on. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> allow me to dive a little deeper, pun intended. Uh, so she has her biological father left when she was like two or three. And so she's had no relationship with him her entire life. She's had little touch points throughout the years, but minimal. And so, as you can imagine, that was a source of sadness, trauma, um, the absent father kind of energy and that what that can create in a woman combined with many other factors in her upbringing. And so she didn't have a reliable dad father figure and her mom was married many times and there's kind of a revolving door of sorts of men coming through and so there's an opportunity in our relationship with this sort of kinky uh, power dynamic element for her to reclaim that experience and to rewrite that story and um, work through that trauma where she sees me I'm her husband, I'm the future father of her children. She can look to me as a father figure. Now, not that I'm her dad or that I'm playing her father, but she can look to that archetype in me and find love, trust, respect, reverence from me. And she gets to be in some ways, the little hurt girl that wants to, not even the little hurt girl per se, yes, but just the little girl who wants to be seen and loved and protected by her dad and supported mm. and have some level of consistency. Like he's not gonna go anywhere. And that's maybe the biggest piece is I'm not going anywhere. Whereas her biological father, he left and didn't come back. So that's where a lot of the beauty in this stuff can come into play with the, again, the power dynamics, the kink is something like that. Mm. That's really cool too, because not like you mentioned it earlier and you were joking, but you were serious too, half serious with like people view that BDSM world as this kind of sadistic, twisted, tormented kind of environment. And I was one of those people as well, like hundred percent on that train until actually, you know, I started to look into it more as well. And I started to, you know, Taylor and I started to dabble more into it and get into these roles. And not only has, yeah, I can see the value in healing actually a lot of trauma, but also the expansiveness that your sex life, your sex life can open up to when you do that. And like that connection that you can make with your, with your spouse. Right. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, so we just found out that Jordan was on Epstein's Island. If anybody's just tuning in right now, uh, which was very interesting. <laughs> just kidding, FBI. <laughs> just kidding, FBI. Don't worry. He wasn't on the 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 flight logs. <laughs> I'm one of the few people that wasn't. It seems like. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, man. Oh, so sad. But one of the things you talked about as well is that like something that is also a big part of your life right now is is this you know. Uh, bioenergetics. And it's something that you focus on, on your daily practice, but you also mentioned a little bit into your relationship as well. Can we dive into that a little bit so you can open the door for people to hear what that component is, not only individually, but in relation with uh, your spouse, you know? Yeah, man. So yeah, the, the realm of bioenergetics is a big one. And it was there are a couple of key points in my personal development journey where I found a modality and it was like, oh, I am going deep in this one for a hot minute. 
And communication was a big one. Well, even before that, it was physical health. I worked with a brand called Bulletproof for many years, as you know. And so getting into biohacking and Bulletproof coffee, healthy fats, keto bro, all that kind of shit. That was (laughs) a big part of kind of kicking things off. And then it was communication. It was taking ownership using I statements and really being mindful of my language creates my reality in a lot of ways. And then the next big component was this bioenergetics. And I was first exposed to this by a mentor of mine, Elliot Hulse. And I think we might've briefly talked to, about him. I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar. He's a pretty, he's pretty well-known dude. And he was a, a strong man competitor for a while. And he's this jacked, inspirational, motivational, no nonsense speaker kind of guy. He's kind of in the realm of like David Goggins, a bit of that and Jocko yeah. Willink. Um, just kind of that vibe. And that really spoke to me in that season. Not as much nowadays. I very much appreciate it. And I see its place. It serves a lot of people. But again, at that time, it was just what the doctor ordered. And he was talking about bioenergetics. And so I went to one of his retreats called grounding camp and just got a crash course in what that looks like. And so At a high level, bioenergetics, you just break down the word, it is tapping into the energy of your biology. Shocker. Okay, what exactly does that mean? Oh my God. (laughs) I know. Etymology. (laughs) (laughs) And so at the most baseline level, it's anything that you do to move energy in your system. That can be breath work. That can be working out. It can be going on a fucking walk. It can be having sex. It can be anything that just moves energy in your body. It's a physical activity, typically speaking, has some element of physicality to it. Uh, Specifically, what I was introduced to was a lot of Osho's teachings. So Osho was a a pretty well-known guru and his heyday was mostly in the 80s. There's a documentary done about his somewhat conscious commune uh, in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Uh, it's called wild, wild country on Netflix. It's very entertaining. I really enjoyed watching it. Disclaimer. I feel like it does. It doesn't do him as a person in his teachings. Uh, it, it does a bit of a disservice because it really doubles down on the controversy as you would expect. That being yeah. said, um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Osho was an incredible <laughs> teacher and an amazing mentor to me, you know, um, post, what is it? Posthumously. Is that the word for when somebody dies? After, after death. Yeah. yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah. Posthumously. Yeah, yeah. I haven't used that one in a hot minute. Cool. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but he has a ton of teachings around Tantra and, and many other realms, but one in particular is this notion of active meditations. And so he has dozens of these active meditations that are a form of bioenergetics that had such a profound impact on my life. And basically you can look at it like this. So there's, there's talk therapy, there's uh, communication, there's, there's speaking, there's the intellect, there's the, the mind, right? And our world, everything that I'm looking at more or less right now with a couple with the exception of a few house plants are products of the mind. And they've been created by intelligent men and women. That being said, there's oftentimes a, significant disconnect from the primal natural world, if you will. And so the modern mm. human, ha- like evolution has accelerated in this massive way in recent decades and, and generations. <clears throat> and so 
kind of regular meditation, if you will, like the seated meditation of trying not to think of something. And then when you think of something, it's like you failed and you're on it for like five minutes before you even realize you're still thinking about it. And oh shit, I'm supposed to be meditating. You release it. And I get that the practice is in the coming back. That's super valuable. But for me, that was a challenge. And so when I came across this idea of active meditations, where I'm actively moving my body, I'm breathing, I'm doing pretty intense things. I'm so in my body. And you could say my, my mind doesn't have the ability to be distracted because I'm so in my fucking body in this experience. And so that's the missing counterpart for a lot of people in modern society is getting into your body. For a lot of people, there's a lifetime of repressed expressions that become suppressed subconsciously in the body. And it turns into neuromuscular armoring. And so mm. to really put this into a context, let's say mom and dad were fighting and I wanted to tell them to stop, but their energy was big. I was small, vulnerable child. And so instead of saying something, I, I hid and I even like cowered. There's, there's an imprinting, there's a physical, again, neuromuscular armoring that is associated with mom and dad fighting and the infinite um, implications from that experience that are basically just implanted throughout my body. And how do I express that? Again, we can do talk therapy and talk about it, but I imagine people can relate to and resonate with talking. Talk is cheap sometimes, right? If you really yeah. feel a froggish leap, have you ever heard that saying? It's mm -hmm. an Eminem song, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, take action. Oh, yeah. And what can action look like? It, it can be more talking or addressing the thing with a family member, but sometimes, oftentimes, that's not available for whatever reason. They're not open to the conversation, whatever that looks like. So how else do I process this? Well, I can dig into the tissues. And so to bring it all kind of full circle, I went to this grounding camp experience, was exposed to a bunch of these active meditations. It was literally like all day, every day doing these various active meditation practices, which again, were very physically taxing. And by the end of this weekend, I was like, holy shit, I feel so at peace. I feel so clear. I feel so confident. I feel like this just cool, calm, collected masculinity that feels so trustworthy. It feels so grounded. It feels like instead of doing manic productive action that I think I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do, I'm way more in this kind of state of what's inspired, what is coming from the spirit, you know, like what is in spirit to break down the language a little bit. Oh, that's the thing. Oh, that challenging conversation or that really courageous um, public proclamation, you know, whatever it looks like for you that gave me the space to be very clear on those things and to act from a, a way more, uh, again, trustworthy space in life and in relationship for sure. Mm, that's really awesome. I, I love, I love personally the movement with meditation. Like that is something that I, I found myself, well, majority of the time I would meditate, I'd actually like fall asleep. So I was like, Same. Oh, this isn't working. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, fuck. Um, so I started to do a little more of like Tai Chi, that movement with, with kind of meditating. And, and yeah. I love exposing that to guys. I think guys, I don't know. I just find a lot of guys, at least from my background and probably similar to yours, like friends of yours and things like that, probably do better with that type of connection to meditation, right? 
that's been my experience for sure. And I think it's, it is somewhat unique to men. I don't think it's explicit to men, but it's something right. that for men in particular seems to really resonate with. Mm, yeah. I love that. That's really awesome. And I appreciate you opening that door for us. And one of the other pieces that I love about what's going on in your world that I think can really help men is really just kind of understanding where, like, I've heard, I've heard you speak before on the podcast. So I know a lot of what you've gone through over like the time you've been with Alexa, you're very open about what's been challenging, what's been breaking through barriers, but what's, what's something that you can give guys that are starting on their journey of challenging their, uh, their, I guess, I, I don't want to say outdated, but I would say going out of style thoughts. Um, what is something that you can hand off to dudes where when you started this journey to really challenge where you were going in life as a man that really helped you maybe? A great question. And there's many directions I could go, but the, the one that just comes to mind most quickly, it's super relevant and timely because I actually just wrote about it here maybe two or three weeks ago. Uh, and this is, I would say, most directed toward young men that are dating. It definitely very much still applies to men that are in relationships, but I think there is some important uh, nuances to be aware of when you're in like a long-term romantic relationship versus dating. But that being said, anti-game is the best game. This is a, a phrase that I, I don't know, I think I coined it. Maybe I heard it from somebody else and pretended like I made it up, but it's- I've never heard it. Cool. Then it's official. I made it up. <laughs> Patent not pending. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. <laughs> cool. And so early in my personal development experiences, when I was dating, I started to- you know, I had, you could say I learned the rules like a pro. So I was starting to break them like an artist. I feel like I was pretty good about mm. the game. And, and it was just something more or less intuitively I'd learned throughout my life experiences. I think I had some level of a gift, you could say, as well as, um, you know, some nurtured elements that supported me in being like a chameleon and knowing how to just connect with people in general. Uh, and then specifically with women. But that being said, I started to realize there is this, way that I could break the rules like an artist that was really effective and exciting and, and authentic and real. And what that was is this anti-game is the best game approach. And so what that looked like, I'll never forget the first time I tried this. Uh, I was on a date with a woman that I had known a little bit in college. I didn't know her well, but she was a total babe, like bona fide babe ski. And I was stoked to be going on this date with her. And I was feeling the bigness of that stokedness. <laughs> and, and so we're sitting down to dinner and as things are kicking off, we're exchanging the pleasantries. I just called it out. I said, you know, I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm super stoked to connect with you. I've been looking forward to this and admittedly, I'm like a little nervous. I feel just some intensity of sensations in my body. And I just wanted to presence that and let it be known. And she loved it. Shocker. You know, it's just kind of like, oh my God, he's, he's not playing the game per se. Although I was playing some sort of game, but it was the anti-game, you know, it's like, I'm just 
expressing what I actually genuinely feel in this moment. And for her, it was so refreshing because I imagine what a lot of guys do is they, instead of being authentically them and speaking from that place, they do what they think they should do. They should on themselves. Mm -hmm. They go, I should be really cool. I should try and say the right thing instead of what the real thing is. And once I started doing that, it just opened up a whole new world of excitement. And it was something I you know, was doing throughout my life. And then in this context, it was just very exciting, very energizing. And you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I wouldn't say that I was as responsible of a steward as I would like to be with this newfound power, but that was part of the process. I had you know, a conscious fuckboy season where, I, you know? And I, I got to have that and I got to learn from it and get burned and learn the hard way at times. And on the other side of it, you know, many iterations later, I found my wife. <laughs> and with her, it was, it was very interesting. Cause I feel like there wasn't, uh, it didn't seem like you did much of a game. You guys were like distant. Like it was fucking, it was really like, there's really no game to play. Right. Cause she could like, it's just fucking distance. Yeah. It was anti-game at the highest level. I mean, that voice note I sent her was a playful freestyle rap followed by a super authentic, you seem awesome. I'm very uh, inspired and intrigued by you. I'd like to get to know you more. Are you open to that? Yeah. And then from there, it just unfolded. Oh, man. Well, I I love your guys's like, I love how you and Alexa got together. I love like that story. And part of this, I think for you, part of your story that I want to open up for guys too, is the fact that like, you're also a comedian and is the level of confidence you have in yourself, like to not only be a comedian, cause you have to be able to like do and say, you got to be highly intelligent, number one, but number two, you got to be able to like really be confident in what you're delivering. How, where did that all come from for you? Or how can you give guys like something to say, Hey, like, I, I, I made this out of myself. Like this wasn't just handed to me to have this level of confidence with being a conscious fuck boy and being a comedian and being silly, but also intelligent, like all these things. Yeah. And again, it comes back to some element of the nature versus nurture. Uh, I think I had a good amount of both, but you know, to take back my power and the nurturing elements. Uh, yeah. I think it's the classic being willing to take risks. And that's what comedians do being willing. And, and sometimes you'll go too far. <laughs> you'll be like, ah, that didn't land. Whoops. And that's, that's part of the human experience. It's so many people, unfortunately avoid because they'd rather play it safe. Mm. And this applies to all areas of life. Right. But specifically here, it's very relevant as well. And so I found for myself, as I was, I read this book called radical honesty, uh, which this is a great mm. one for, anyone to read. I think it'll particularly appeal to men, but it's super relevant to women and just all humans. Uh, it's written by this guy, Brad Blanton, who it's great on audible. Have you listened to it yourself by any chance? I've never, I'm listening. This is the first time I'm hearing of it, but I'm going to check it out. It's a good one. It's worth it. It's very edutaining, you know, so it's entertaining and educational, (laughs) very edutaining. And he narrates it and he's like fumbling over his words. He goes off script. He drops F-bombs and he's got this Southern draw. I think he's from like Atlanta. Um, But basically the whole premise of the book is society is a bunch of liars. And now the spectrum of lying Mm. varies. For most people, it's not overt lying, but it's a lack of forthrightness. 
It's like we're hiding what is most real and true, which is a very insidious kind of lying because I know that I can seduce myself into justifying that. Like, oh, I don't need to say this thing, so why would I? It's like, well, I'm being on the spectrum of a liar if I'm not sharing that thing. Now, the distinction I want to make here, and this is, this is a, a very important one. <laughs> I was, you know, for looking at this like a pendulum, I was way to one side of not being nearly as forthright and even lying at times because I was afraid if I told the truth, what might happen. And so mm. I swung it way over to the radical honesty. And in this book, man, he goes as far as to say, like, when you get into a relationship, he recommends that each of you goes into extensive detail around your sexual history, taking as much time as required to recall every detail you can fathom. I don't necessarily recommend that. I see the value in, in that practice, um, but it's that's pretty radical. I mean, again, it's in the name. To me, yeah. though, my learning to wrap this all up in a nice uh, biodegradable bow <laughs> is there's mental transparency. And that's where I think the radical honesty can get to an extreme is being mentally transparent, but it's not calculated. It's, it doesn't, it's not grounded. It's not, it doesn't have the deeper purpose of fun, conditional love and connection. It's just more, I'm going to say whatever I think and feel. And it's kind of egoic. Uh, it's, it just has a lot of that immaturity to it is what I would say. And I swung to more of that side of the spectrum for a season when I was really getting into communication and all this kind of stuff, because it was exciting. It was like, fuck, I've been like not saying things so much. So now I'm going to say everything. And then I was like, ah, you know, that's okay. Let's bring it somewhere back in the middle. Let's land the plane here. And this is where I came to the realization of, well, no, instead of mental transparency, how about grounded authenticity? So you can feel the difference in those phrases, right? Grounded authenticity is I, I can, I'm considerate. I'm authentic. I'm very real with what I think and feel and what I'm saying, but it has a level of, again, maturity. Um, it's, it's calculated, it's filtered. It has a reasonable filter. And even if the thing I'm going to say is challenging and the person that I'm saying it to might not receive it or it might be hard for them to hear and it might create temporary tension and disconnection. My deepest desire is to come to more love and more connection with them and myself. And so I think that making that shift and learning that through that whole process, it was maybe the single greatest uh, of my life, like that, that journey. Mm, wow, man. That's really powerful to know that. Plus you are. So you also gave a tip for the book that they can actually go into and find this out, obviously yeah. take or leave it. Right. Like there's some <laughs> radical responsibility that sounds a little far fetched, but, but I love this because it kind of uh, taking this back around to where we started the podcast and back into sex and relationships mm. is that part of this, um, was this, what was like kind of your catalyst or your um, support to open up, like even about your desires. I think a lot of guys don't think that they can share their desires with their spouse because they'll be frowned upon maybe, or yeah. they're scared of how they'll be, they'll, they'll be viewed. How, how did, um, or did this kind of allow you to, to really open up with Alexa about that stuff? 
No question. Uh, it all influences, influences and affects one another. Um, another piece that really helped in this regard is having trusted men in my life. And I imagine that comes up a lot on this podcast is having men that I look up to, that I trust, that I admire, that I respect, that I can seek counsel from, that I can pre-process things with. I can maybe say some of like, I can be mentally transparent with them because they can receive it. They know my deepest desire and my heart. And so like, I can, I don't have to necessarily be so calculated. I can just fucking vulnerably and unfiltered say whatever is coming up for me. And to bring it specifically to sexual capacity, I have these insecurities, you know, I have these desires uh, and they can reflect back to me what they're hearing and, and, and I can get to more clarity around what I actually mean and what I actually want instead of bringing a lot of that, what might be disjointed and a little bit sensitive and unclear, instead of bringing that to my partner, I get to bring the more, the more polished diamond in that rough and bring it to her. And, and it's way more, again, mature, grounded, because it's been a bit pre-processed. So I think that's a really important thing to note here that has had a significant impact. It's super important because I think like all of a sudden, for instance, if a guy's like, oh, I want a threesome, right? Like that can just really offset a partner. Totally. But at the end of the day, if I call you and I'm like, bro, just listen to me for a second. This is what I'm thinking um, and then you help me to process it. And maybe it's not even a threesome I want, right? It's something very different, yeah. but it's like, it allows us. I love that. It does, you know, having your bro there to be able to be transparent with allows you to process what is really actually coming up inside. And maybe it's because I'm supposed to want a threesome is why I want a threesome, or maybe yeah. it's something different, right? Yep. Yeah. There's a deeper why there. There's just more clarity to uncover. And that's, one of the many big benefits of having good, solid men in your life. Yeah, it's, it's such an important thing, but it's also the, the fact that, you know, as men, I, man, there's such a, I can't say enough about like how much when you start to process those things and you start to have the real conversations to kind of create fluidity with it. But then when you bring it up to your spouse, it becomes such an eye-opening conversation where I think we're so fearful that we, we put this projection of judgment on it. And then we refuse to have that conversation when it could really enhance our relationship. Right. Do you find, do you find that with Alexa too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, a piece I want to add here too, that I think is just relevant to this whole conversation is the next level of support in all of this is having like-hearted couples. So having men, absolutely. Mm. And then Alexa and I, we have couples they, like we have what I call the conscious couples coalition here in Austin. And so there's 12 of us total, six couples, six men, six women. And we all, we individually have our men's and women's groups. And then we have co-ed groups once a month. And so we all have these dynamics and these personal relationships, and we are all in support of the entity of each relationship. So the individual, absolutely. But then also the units, so it's like, nobody is taking sides. Everybody is like in this, everybody wins mindset. And that is unlike anything I could have ever fathomed. And I think that once you get to the point where you find your, your, your person, you know, the person you really are all in with and you're committed to the path, 
you know, out is not an option. That's a mantra that Lex and I very much adopted early on in our relationship. Then it's like, okay, I need to find some good men. And even before that, right, this is necessarily the order of operations perfectly, but <laughs> I have my men, you know, my solid trusted men. She has her solid trusted women. And then we get couples that have that same dynamic. I think that's the shit that changes the world. Like having family dynamics and that sort of mastermind of couples. That is, I'm very curious to see as, because I'm seeing others do that with their own little squads. And I think that that is one of the keys to solving all this shit, man. <laughs> it's been super meta with it. That's so dope, man. I'm like, even just thinking like, shit, Taylor and I need to find that now. Like Taylor and I need to find that group of conscious couples where you guys can balance each other out. Cause I think there is, there is uh, a huge advantage to having that, you know, objectivity from other people who aren't creating sides. And at the end of the day, they do create the, they, they support the unit. Um, mm -hmm. as opposed to just supporting one individually. That's fucking dope, dude. How did you guys even come up? Like a lot of this shit, did it just like fall in your lap or did you guys just like actually curate this specifically? Certainly both. A lot of just divine <laughs> uh, synchronicities and universal support. And then also very much intention, like the ability and the willingness to recognize the, the synchronistic breadcrumbs and the opportunities and to take action on those. Uh, that was a big part of it. So yeah, I'll never forget though. There was one night and, and I'm just going to own this to feel a little edgy to even say this, but I was doing some Coke <laughs> a few years ago <laughs> with, with some friends and it was, it was another couple and we were just having a great time, having awesome conversations in my apartment here in Austin. We used to live on the East side in an apartment and we started to, I literally brought out the whiteboard and we started to mastermind this mm -hmm. idea of the conscious couples coalition. And we had some, you know, I knew some people, wow. they knew some people. And so we started to write down names and, and then we just, it became very clear. It's like, okay, I think this is it. And, you know, we're yacked out like our jaws. I don't necessarily condone cocaine, but I've had some good times on it. And this was one of those times it was significant. And <laughs> I would say it supported the experience. Uh, and you know, that was, a I think a little over three years ago now. And, and those yeah. people that we wrote are the people that are in this coalition now. And so to that extent, we absolutely oh. consciously created it. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. And it's hilarious that, um, yeah, that you were on Coke when you did because <laughs> it's like, you don't, you don't think of like an actual, like I think people, when they relate Coke to the, they're not thinking like an actual, uh, thing came out of it or like a mastermind came out of it, but it's like, Oh no. Yeah. We actually mapped this out and it's actually in application now. And it's how we live our lives. Like, it's a medicine. It's a tool, just like anything else. How you wield it is up to you. Just like a gun, as they say, you know, like, the gun is not the problem. It's the person that's operating it potentially if it is a problem, right? I think that is a very <laughs> wise way to look at the world. Yeah, well, I know what I'm doing tonight. So you know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good, brother. This has been such a blast, man. You're always a, a fun person to talk to. I, I just, I love your energy. Um, I love what you bring to the game for dudes because you're very open about everything that's gone on in your life and you you just kind of bring that forward man i commend you for it and also it's just something for all of us men to kind of look to and make steps towards 
Thank you, brother. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to kick it with you virtually for a hot minute. I'm excited to do it in person sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, dude, you're just like, are such so clearly a homie and I see you, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that brother. And uh, that means a lot coming from you. Cause I know a lot of people that, that I, you know, like yourself and Alexa, you guys only keep people in your life that really have some form of like contribution energetically. That's what we are too. And, and it's really, when you start to get to that game, it's kind of harder to find people because everybody's got some different agenda or they haven't broken through that consciousness yet. So, and Anyways, long story longer as I appreciate you, brother. But as you've done us a great service being on the show and dropping your wisdom, dropping your hilarious comments and authenticity, how can we support you? Where can we find you? And what do you got going on right now? Yeah, so at conscious.bro on Instagram, that's like my persona. If you haven't gathered it from this conversation, conscious bro is kind of my vibe. <laughs> and that, that's where I'm most active. I love writing. You'll, you'll, get hip to my Jordanese language as it's been dubbed, um, which is very playful Jordanese. and very sincere at the same time. And, and yeah, me and my wife have a business called sex and love co. So everything and anything in the realm of sex, love and relationships. And it's kind of like the one Oh one buffet of all that is offered in that world. And if you find an area you want to dig deeper in, we can typically point you in the right direction, whether it's kink, BDSM, communication, Tantra, um, you know, we coach, we have couples one-on-one -on -one kind of stuff. We have, uh, a program called couples goals, which is like a, a virtual mastermind with fellow couples, men's groups, women's groups. We have all the things. That's dope, brother. I love that, man. So go check that out. Everything that Jordan mentioned is going to be in the show notes. So make sure you guys go there, click on that, give him a follow on IG and make sure you guys are checking out and staying tuned to what he's going, got going on, man. Well, brother, I appreciate you so much. This is awesome. We'll also give one last shameless plug to Alexis, Alexa's uh, podcast, which is That Sex Chick. Such a good podcast. Make sure I, I actually have passed this off to so many people is as a couple, you should listen to that podcast. It is so good because it's, it literally stoked so many conversations for Taylor and I, and it was such a safe space to have the conversation when you're listening to that podcast. It was so dope, dude. I so love dope. that. So, um, Great advice. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Jordan is featured on there quite often. He gets picked on a lot and, um, you know, that's about <laughs> no, <laughs> but he's very open. So I love it, man. Well, thank you, brother. Your last question before I let you off here is what does the art of masculinity mean to you? Ooh, I love that. Okay. Let me give this a second to feel into it. Oh yeah, I got it. This is perfect because I referenced it already in this conversation. Learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. And that's a Picasso quote. Mm. And so I find oftentimes that masculinity, there's, there's a formula, you know, way of the superior man kind of stuff. Uh, find your purpose, no masculine, feminine dynamics, polarity, and, and know that really well. And I think that's very sound advice. It's a great place to start learn those rules. And then you get to be an artist and break those rules because you are so aware and confident in your own integrity and your ability to navigate all the complexity of it all. Then you start to become this artist, this masculine artist. So I would say that's the art of masculinity. Mm, I love that, bro. That is so good. <laughs> that is so good. Well, 
As always, brother, it's been fun. And to everybody listening, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. Until next time.